What a weekend of college football we just had. And now the Blue Bloods are here to bring you all the information, storylines, and everything you need to wrap up an outstanding weekend of college football. We're going to start off with recapping the games that made our pick six segments. And, you know, in case you're new, those are arguably the best, most important games of the weekend. And then we're going to go ahead and move on to some storylines that dominated the weekend, including the Sun Belt absolutely abusing the Big 12 this weekend. And listen, we're going to wrap it up with discussing the, I guess, hype train that has now started for Sam Ellinger and Spencer Radler. We have a full show today, guys. So let's go ahead and kick this off. So this weekend, the ACC Big 12 returned, and listen, I don't think I don't think we could have asked for anything more from these conferences because there were some outstanding games. And like like I said in the intro, in case you weren't here, we started Pick Six to highlight the best, most important games of the weekend, make our predictions there. So we're going to recap those six games first and give you guys all the information you may need for these games. We start with the Thursday night game. UAB traveled down to Miami. Miami came out with the 31-14 win. Brandon, what did you think of the Hurricanes' performance? Um, so to be completely honest with you, you know when they first came out in the first half, just not impressed at all. Okay, full disclosure, I didn't really watch this game. I watched like the I watched like the first quarter, and then I turned on the Chiefs game because it was just a much better game. To be, I mean, just to be just to be frank, I don't know about that. The Chiefs, uh. Kind of pulled away there a little bit late. I mean, Claude Edwards Hilaire was making grown men look like boys out there. You tell me this, Zach. Did you see the production of that game? Did you see, have you seen the new graphics for the uh, for the NFL this season? Yes, I, I actually have. It's fantastic. It's so much. It's so much better every single year. I fall for every gimmick, and I understand we're a college football podcast, but I, I mean, how could I? How could I leave this uh, not talked about? <laughs> that's fine i mean you know i'll give it that you know so you know i, I guess you still haven't figured out the multicast thing on your xbox yet or I, whatever I you have use it. it's screen. a playstation it's not a it's a oh, playstation it's not an xbox that might be tough. you see i think you need to upgrade to that new one that's coming out in what was it november or something like that but i mean brandon yeah, let me go, I, let me I go ahead and upgrade to that i will say the 499 dollar tag that that's going to run you but yeah once, once we start uh, monetizing this exactly so guys donate to the blue bloods to support brandon getting a new xbox but to get oh, to this miami gonna... game <laughs> you know i think this is just i think you're going to highlight this too brandon even though you didn't watch the entire thing i mean it was just another evidence that we're going to see where teams come out sloppy and rusty in the first half and then the better team usually pulls away at the end i mean miami looked Horrible. While UAB did technically have the advantage of coming off a game last week where they got all that, they shook all that rust off where the Hurricanes were still preparing for this game. I mean, but as much as, you know, I want to talk about De'Aaron King, I mean, I think we have to shout out Cameron Harris first. We, we previewed him a little bit in our uh, pick six preview, but 
man, this kid looks like a star. And I think we finally see why some experts are touting him as a future NFL running back. I mean, 134 yards rushing, two touchdowns. He was averaging over seven yards per carry. He looked explosive, yeah. quick. I mean, Brandon, I mean, I, I know we, we were a little skeptical about this kid, but I think he answered any doubts. No, he definitely did. And and so while I do want to give him a lot of praise, uh, I'd also like to give De'Eric King's uh, legs, just his legs, uh, praise because he did a lot on the ground and he was just, to me, overall unimpressive in the air. I mean, 144 yards, one touchdown. I mean, not bad, but definitely not what we thought we were going to get out of De'Eric King. I mean, we they've been hyping this kid up. They've been hyping this kid up since he left Houston, right? And, and this is what we get. You know? Yeah, I mean, okay, so I don't know about you. I don't. I, I think I saw this from a few teams. I think it's we're going to get into it a little bit later, but there are like a few teams that ran a very, very simplified playbook this week. I don't know if you saw that. Ooh. I don't know if it's the no. lack of, of preparation, but I saw a lot of teams that was like, and this looks like they cut the playbook in half, and they're just like, listen, we're going to get into the rhythm before we bring out anything serious in terms of play calling. No. I, th- I mean, I think the issue, and we see this every single year. I mean, it's usually week zero, but I mean, for the ACC, this is week zero. I mean, this is technically their first week. And so we see them come out and play their only non-conference game. I mean, you think that they're going to come out of the gate just showing everything that they have? You think they're going to come show their hands straight away? No, they're going to wait for like an actual game. My- Miami's not going to pull out all the stops for UAB. Right. I mean, yeah, that's what I was saying. I mean, I don't put too much into his 144 yards passing. I mean, I think he did what he needed to. I mean, listen, I, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What would you grade him for his overall performance in his first game as a hurricane? Um, oh, man. So, like I said, his legs are really going to carry him a long way here for me. I'd give him, I'd give him a B, B plus. Okay. That, that's I what I had. I, I had. I gave him a B plus. I mean, I thought he did just enough. I mean – like you said, with the simplified playbook with his first game. And, I mean, Brandon, let's be honest here. This offensive line still looks atrocious. Oh, my gosh. I mean, they, it, it, it was bad. I remember texting you because, you know, I did watch this game. I, I, I know I acted like I didn't. I, I flipped back and forth. Um, it, they might as well have just had, like, three high school offensive linemen out there, and that's it. Like, no, like, they don't even need tackles because I, right. it, it was that bad. I mean, and look, it, it, this is going to sound bad, but I think they're improved from last year, <laughs> as bad as that sounds. I mean, they did look a little bit better, but they allowed two sacks, eight tackles for loss. But I think the worst unit for Miami, which makes me real skeptical about their ceiling, that wide receiving unit is really, really bad. I mean, yeah, if you can't create space against UAB's DBs, who are good. I mean, I previewed them in the pick six preview last week, but I mean, outside of Brevin Jordan, who's the tight end, I don't think Mike Harley, D Wiggins, Jeremiah Payton, any of those other targets really popped off the screen for me. I mean, it was just a bunch of average look, average to mediocre looking guys. And if you had be shutting it down, how in the world do you expect to beat teams like Clemson Pitt with Paris Ford, um, UNC. I mean, you are not going to be able to beat these upper tier teams in the ACC if your if your biggest target is just your tight end. Yeah, the, I mean, you've got a fair point there. The one thing I will say is that I think that Miami did a really good job, and 
I'll even give a little bit of credit to Derek King on this one. Uh, he spread the ball out a lot. I mean, we don't see a receiver. I mean, the guy who caught the ball the most amount of times, it was four times. It was four catches for Cameron Harris. So, I mean, he did a really good job of spreading the ball out. I mean, I, I think that he had, what, it was like, it was, I think it was like nine receivers that he passed to in this game. Yeah, something like that. I mean, he he did have a wide variety. And I think you see that with um, uh, Lashley's offense. Brett, Brett Lashley, who came from Auburn, SMU. He was at, I think, UConn for a while. Um, he likes to spread the ball out to a lot of targets. But I'm just talking about if, if it comes down to one play, you need someone to go make a play against a big team. Brandon, are you putting your money on anybody on that roster outside of Brevin Jordan? Oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, you even if it's third and twelve, your best bet's to hand it to Cameron Harris. Yeah, that's or true. let Derek King take it on like a speed option or something like that. But it just, I, I, I need to see more. I know they're young guys. I know this is the first game and they can improve. But Brandon, I mean, they're they got to go. They they got to go face Louisville next week for game day. Right. No, that's it, it's it, you're going to have to grow up real fast. But guys, UAB gets a bye week. They're going to be hosting in-state foes South Alabama in two weeks. Uh, we'll get to them a little bit later. But uh, we're going to move on to a game that I know we have a lot of takes on. And I, I think me and Brandon texted for three and a half hours during this game. Twitter was bumping during this game. Uh, Syracuse at number 18 UNC. I, I, don't, I, I forgot to look at the AP poll before we started, but I think they jumped up to like 11th or 10th, something like that. I mean, they're right there outside the top 10. But – UNC pulls out a 31 to 6 win. Um Brandon, I'll let you start here. I know you got um some things you probably want to say here. Yeah, I, I mean, I really just want to I, I want you to take everything you said about Sam Howell back. That's that's the main thing. No, I I I'm not. He's going to be fine. I still th- I mean, listen, watching uh, we're going to get to another quarterback later in the AC or two quarterbacks in the ACC. The only person I've heard anyone argue against Sam Howell being the second best quarterback in the ACC is Ian Book. And Brandon, you saw what Ian Book did against Duke. Right. Uh, so this, and- this kid is still the number two quarterback in the ACC. And it, it was like, like, and listen, I mean, we've seen this repeatedly, Brandon. Teams starting real slow, but finding rhythm and getting it going late. I mean, you know, yes, he put up better stats, and I'm not comparing these two guys at all. We saw Trevor Lawrence getting dominated real early in that game on the first two or three drives, and then like they got to click in, and we'll get to that game later. But it, let's just say it wasn't even close. But I mean, how can you get on Sam Howell? Yeah, it was seven to three at halftime. He had a bad first half, threw a terrible interception over the middle. Over the middle to um, I think it was Andre Cisco, the safety, who picked it off. And then he had another one where the wide receiver just tipped it up in the air and it got picked off. But they outscored Syracuse twenty four to three in the second half, Brandon. Yeah, and you know that's to be expected from Syracuse. It's Syracuse, so they came out and they, it's not even that they look good. It's just that UNC looked really bad, and of course Syracuse is yeah. going to quit in the second half. Uh, no one really ever expected them to just keep on going. Um, I don't know. I mean, Sam Howell overall, I mean, looked okay. I mean, he he looked good. He didn't look like he's he didn't look good enough to be in New York at the end of the season. No, 295 yards. Don't get me wrong. 295 yards is 295 yards passing. I I mean, great job, Sam Howell, on that. 
as a sophomore. I mean, following up that incredible freshman season, that, I mean, that's what else can I say, except for that was incredible. Um, but I mean, the touchdown to interception, one touchdown pass to two interceptions is that doesn't really sit too well with me. Yeah. And I mean, listen, I'm going to be critical. If we, if I, like, I didn't give him a grade. I mean, I didn't feel like we were going to spend all episode grading people, but I would give him a C minus if I was going to grade him right now on his performance. I mean, I'm not super high on his performance. I still think he's going to be fine. I mean, he needs to show better pocket presence, Brandon. I mean, and listen, I talked about, um, uh, Miami's offensive line. This UNC offensive line is gonna oh gosh. is going to be a problem if they don't get it fixed. I mean, the left tackle, I forget his name. I was I, I texted you about it immediately. I was like, this kid is getting eaten up off the right. end. I mean, it's not even close. And when Sam Howell had a clean pocket, I think he showed he can make any throw and he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. But Brandon, as much as I would love to talk about Sam Howell, as you know, I th- I think it's gonna. I think we have to talk about Michael Carter and Javante Williams because if there was two guys who showed that they're gonna be stars, it's these two guys. I mean, they abused Syracuse's defense all day. I mean, Carter seventy yards rushing, and Brandon he averaged eleven yards per carry, and mm, yeah. Will- Williams had three second half rushing touchdowns. And uh, as much as you know, I'm high on Howell. I'm high on Daz Newsom. Um, uh, Brown at wide receiver was big uh, this weekend. I think these two guys are probably the key for UNC making an ACC title run because defenses are not going to let Howell just sit back there and throw on them. So if Williams and Carter can start just tearing teams apart when they sit back in coverage, this UNC offense is going to be really, really hard to stop. You're right, and I mean, you even neglected to talk about uh, about Michael Carter receiving. I mean, he had six receptions, yes. tied for the most on this team for 60 yards. I mean, he, every time he caught this ball, every time he caught the ball, he had 10 yards. So, I mean, he's just that kind of dual threat guy who's really going to make an impact on the next level. I mean, if he can keep this sort of thing up, and I think that he can help UNC. Uh, I mean, achieve big things this season. You know, we, we see we see the college game shift more and more toward what the program looks like right now, and and that that is these dual threat running backs who can who can I mean tear you up in the middle of the field, or they can burn you at the slot position. I, I mean, and to have a guy like that is absolutely incredible. He might not have had any uh, touchdowns this week, but uh, I mean, you can't tell me he wasn't pivotal in this victory for UNC. No, I mean, he set that first touchdown up, the one that Sam Howell hit the tight end on in the first quarter. I mean, Carter set that one up. But, you know, overall, I was impressed with Syracuse's secondary. I think their front seven had a lot to be desired. But Melifonu, Andre Sisco, they were all over the field. I mean, Melifonu was the reason Sam Howell threw that first interception. He made that wide receiver miss that ball, pop it up. It was intercepted. But Cisco had an interception. It was huge. Three tackles. But... And I was also impressed with UNC's defense in the second half. I mean, Chaz Surratt was all over the field. I mean, nine tackles, two sacks, two and a half tackles for loss. This guy is a cog in that UNC defense. And I am excited to see his development because the fact that he went from from quarterback to linebacker and now he's an all-ACC linebacker is mind-blowing to me. Right. Absolutely. I mean, he, he had a great game. Absolutely. But guys, Syracuse is on the road again next weekend. They head up north to face Pitt while UNC faces Charlotte, which promises to probably be one of the best games of the weekend. Um, 
But we're going to move on to a, a game that really kind of opened my eyes about a team, but it's Duke at number 10, Notre Dame. Notre Dame beat Duke 27 to 13. And Brandon, I feel like I can say this. I was much more impressed with Duke than I was Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, I mean, we came into this game thinking Notre Dame was just, I mean, going to destroy Duke, right? And, and they kind of did in a sense, but it wasn't nearly the sort of game that I think everyone was kind of was expecting. You know, Notre Dame came out and they looked, they looked slow. They, they, I don't know. I don't know if it was because they thought they were playing Duke and they thought, Hey, you know, this is a Duke team that fell off a whole lot from last year, or if it's just like a lack of, uh, of preparation for this season or what it was, but Notre Dame did not look, I mean, I think we, we both had them in our top three in the ACC and they did not look like a top three team in the ACC. I don't even know if they were like a top five team. I mean, yeah. I, I thought they were one of the worst looking ACC team or upper, you know, like projected to win ACC teams because we have a team later that is going to be the donkey of the day or whatever you want to say. You're talking um, of the day. Yeah, we're going to go with that. But listen, I mean, Notre Dame is so much more talented at every position, but just all, like Brandon, they always seem to underwhelm in these games. I mean, Ian Book mediocre at best and he has the number one offensive line of the country and he has elite weapons at running back and wide receiver and you can give me 260 yards passing a touchdown and interception and a 51 qbr yeah that's, no I, I don't know man it's i don't know he, he looked very human this weekend i mean listen i was a huge huge supporter of book last last year but I, I don't I've have yet to see him be the best player on the field and I think I, I need to see it and I'm running out of time here to jump on this bandwagon. But I want to cover Ky- Kyron Williams, the running back. Man, this kid looked like a star and I loved what I saw from him yesterday. He racked up over hundred and ten yards rushing, two touchdowns, and that twenty six yard run in the third quarter probably was one of the best plays of the weekend, man. He could not be stopped. It on that play, and you know, for Duke, Brad, I want to get your thoughts on this. But I thought, you know, my big takeaway from the game is I think Chase Bryce is going to win some serious games for the Blue Devils this year, and I think he is a great quarterback for that system. I think he's a good quarterback, I, I really do. And you know, we've talked about this a couple times now. Um, and he he uses legs a lot more than I thought he was going to this weekend, too. Uh, I mean, he had 20 yards rushing. That's yeah, it's not it's not awful. He had a rushing touchdown. That's more touchdowns than he had passing. Um, but I mean, he still passed for 260 yards. And I, I don't know. You know, I, I know we've talked about Chase Bryce. and I know we talked about uh, how he had the potential to come out and, and be a star. But I didn't think that he would come out and do it week one. I didn't think he would look this good. Uh, I know I tore I tore Sam Howell up for for having one touchdown, 295 yards. So I can't sit here and praise this guy too much, but. I think it was just the expectations that we have for both of these guys. And, Honestly, and, I, I think I think the I think what you expected from Chase Bryce is far less than <laughs> you know what I mean. Like I, I think I think I think you have to put it in perspective on like who these guys are and what you expected from them coming in. Right. No. I mean, for sure. And that, you know that's what I was getting at. But Chase Bryce, he really did. I mean, he he impressed this weekend. Uh, he had a he had better QBR than than Ian Book did. And I guess that, that's saying something. Yeah, I mean, he has 66 QBR, but he had so much less help, man. I mean, right. Deion Jackson really didn't give him anything. Um, 
off the ground and the wide receivers played well, but I mean, the offense didn't have much explosion and that's going to have to develop, but Notre Dame moves on to face uh, USF South Florida next weekend while Duke hosts Boston college next weekend. And so the blue devils probably, I think they could get a win there, but we'll see. But now this is the game. This is the game where hot takes and opinions are about to come flowing out and people are about to get roasted in this segment, I just want to say, if you're a Florida State fan, just brace yourself or skip this game because this is going to be a brutal, brutal listen for you. But, Brandon, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets pull off the upset. Um, you know, and I just got to say, what did you think about this and how in the world did this happen? Well, I'll tell you how I, how I think it happened. And I think that's because uh, Mike Norvell let, let, James Blackman throw 43 passes in this game. And he only completed 23 of those. This kid's really bad at football. How does he keep playing? How does he keep getting the starting job at Florida State? Uh, If that's the best quarterback they have on campus, this program is in a whole world of trouble. If, if If this is what they have to give me. Dude, a whole lot of trouble is being pretty generous. And this is the best quarterback. Someone go ahead and fire the president of the university if he's the best quarterback. You're like, it, it, go above the athletic, uh, go above the AD, go straight to the president because something needs to be done. <laughs> Listen, I mean, Brandon, I mean, I even tweeted this. I mean, can, can we all finally agree that James Blackman is going to be the reason this team doesn't succeed? Can we all agree that he's not a division one starting quarterback? I mean, yeah, I think we do. I cannot believe this is still a discussion in 2020. I I, I, I am <laughs> mind blown. I am mind blown. I thought we made so much progress here, but, you know, 198 yards, like you said, a touchdown interception, you know, a whopping 21 QBR for Mr. Blackman here and got absolutely outplayed by a true freshman playing his first ever game on the road. Uh, like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And Brandon, um, Brandon, how confident are you that you could start on this offensive line? Because I have a a twelve year old little brother who absolutely would be a better left tackle than whatever Florida State has. I would take all five feet nine inches, one hundred and seventy five pounds of me, and I I think I could do it. I really do. Uh, I. Look. <laughs> It was. It's bad. It's not. It's a bad look all around for Florida State. How many? How many games did you realistically have Georgia Tech winning this season? Zero. I had them losing yeah. every single game this year. <laughs> they've already. They've already won infinity times that Zach because in their first week they had Florida State and they played Florida State. Was was this game in Tallahassee? Yeah, it yes. was in Tallahassee. Yes, Tallahassee. and they allowed fans. Yeah, dude, they were the saddest fans ever. I keep seeing screenshots. Uh, yes. <laughs> I keep seeing pictures of these fans. It's the funniest thing in the world. Sad Florida State fans are somehow, and I hate Alabama, but they're better than sad Alabama fans in a way. It's like they're just like, man, we were good in 1941. Like we we are we are a blue blood program because we had Deion Sanders for three years. <laughs> remember, remember Bobby Bowden. We we had Bobby Bowden. Don't forget. Right. And we had Jameis Winston stealing crab legs and national championships as well. But, you know, 
Brandon, this offensive line gave up three sacks, six tackles for loss. And Brandon, they they paved the way for an outstanding 3.1 yards per carry with the longest rush all game being a 16-yard scramble by Blackman where he was getting away from pressure. Right. And, you know, and how about the, what was it, two or three strip sacks that they allowed in the game? And one of them cost them the game because it set up the game-winning field goal. I don't know, man. This this game makes it makes me it makes me so happy because I I I, I like seeing Florida State do bad. Um, I don't know why because they haven't been good recently, and I usually like watching teams that have been good recently like fall off that cliff or whatever. Florida State's just been down for like like what four seasons now, and I just want to keep I, kicking them while they're down. I, I would say ever since Jameis Winston threw that backwards pass in the Rose Bowl, it has been a long way down for Florida State. Yeah, that I was mean, that. <laughs> that was 2014. That's that's I real tough. Know. I mean, listen, and uh, I don't even know. Man. I mean, listen, I'll, I'll I'll stick on a positive. Jeff Sims, the quarterback for Georgia Tech, you know, he made his freshman mistakes, but the kid came in clutch, leading the comeback. I mean, 277 yards passing, one touchdown, had 64 yards rushing and had a 75 QBR compared to Blackman's 21. You know what's crazy is that Jordan Travis, Florida, Florida State's only other quarterback um, during this game, had one pass, no completion, like no yard, like no stats. He just had an incomplete pass. His QBR was 74.4. How does QBR – I know we talk about this every – like we talk about this like once every three months, but I, I'm going to find out how you find QBR because it, it it's not good, I don't think. Because if, no. if this kid has a seventy four point four, then I mean, I probably had like I probably had like a one thirty six this week. If if I don't know, I didn't throw any passes, so no incompletions. <laughs> Throwing something in the trash, you completed more passes than James Blackman. But you know, Quez Jackson, the linebacker for Georgia Tech, outstanding. You know, game. He had nine tackles, the interception. He was all over the field. And listen, Georgia Tech should be excited about the future of this program. I mean, they have um, Jameer Gibbs coming in at running back. They have Quez Jackson at linebacker. They have Jeff Sims at quarterback. You know, Florida State may be going through its darkest time yet. I mean, I think Mark, uh, Mike Norvell is finally going to realize what a rebuild he has on his hands. He has QB and O-line problems. He has a culture issue that's been around Florida State for years. I mean, this program... I, I don't see how it gets any worse, Brandon. I mean, I, you know, I said Georgia Tech doesn't win a game this year. I mean, I'm not confident Florida State's beating anybody this year. No, uh, they like, might not. They, it, that's how bad even, it would be. I can't remember where I had them ranked in my ACC, but I, I hope it was super low. I know it probably wasn't, but I, I please, please let it be low. I can't, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't face the bullying anymore. I'm getting bullied for my picks. I've only lost. I've I've only lost two games in pick six. Zach, I'm bringing this back up. That BYU it's game three. should not count. Should it not it count. counts. It counts. We made a prediction on the podcast for it. But guys, Georgia Tech hosts number fourteen UCF next weekend, while Florida State gets a bye week. Thank God. But. They get to head to Miami in two weeks to take on the Hurricanes and what promises to be a riveting battle of who is the worst rebuilding team in the ACC. But we're going to go on here. We're going to talk about the number one team in the country, Clemson, and their 37-13 to 13 win over Wake Forest. And, Brandon, I don't think I've, I've seen a more misleading score than this. 
Yeah, I mean, what do you want me to even say about this game? Clemson dominated, and like you said, the score, I don't know how Wake Forest scored 13 points. I guess because Clemson just they, they, didn't play anybody in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they scored all 10 points. They scored 10 of the 13 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so, I mean, we <laughs> Zach, Zach was upset that Trevor Lawrence did not play the full game. I'll I'm say pissed. that. I'm all, hashtag Trevor for Hosman. Get screwed by Dabo every year because he takes. I mean, okay, listen, it's the correct decision. Don't be, don't do him like Tua. But my, for my selfish reasons, I mean, Brandon, in three quarters, he had three hundred and fifty-one passing yards, a passing touchdown, and two rushing touchdowns. Right. What would he have done if he got to play the whole game? Are we talking about five hundred yards passing? Probably. I mean, yeah, it, it, definitely. If he I mean, if he got to play in garbage time against Wake Forest. Exactly. I, could you imagine? I mean, but I get it. But, you know, I even think – I mean, I saw some drop balls from Amari Rogers, some running back. I mean, Trevor Lawrence had – is trying to, I guess, find a reliable target after, you know, Justin Ross had to step away from football this year. Hopefully he's recovering great. But, listen, right. Travis Etienne – is a grown man playing amongst boys. Dude, I have never oh, seen a lying. running back take souls like I've seen Travis Etienne take souls. I mean, I, I was I was talking to one of my friends, and I was like, if he played on any other team and wasn't overshadowed by Trevor Lawrence, we'd be talking about this kid as arguably the most the most exciting player in college football to watch. Right. I mean. This kid, okay, Brandon, I was thinking of like a comparison because we haven't really made a pro comparison for Travis Etienne because it's hard to compare. And I know this is going to be a shock, especially after what just happened, you know, like probably 10 minutes ago. I think he is Alvin Kamara, but more physical. I mean, I like the comparison because I like Alvin Kamara. Uh, So, yeah, cool. Because, I I mean, I think because I think he's just as good at, at, you know, as a as a pass catcher out the backfield i think he's a better pure running back than kamara is and i, I think i mean I, as much as good as alvin kamara is i don't think he's as fit i mean have you when's the last time you've seen him just run through people like travis that yeah, does on a, a, every single play that's a good i point. mean uh, this kid, I, I think, I think he. And listen, I know this is tough, but I mean, I really think Travis Etienne has more potential than Kamara does. And I know that's crazy because I think Kamara is probably what a top five NFL running back right now, arguably, right. depending on who you ask. But I think Travis Etienne is just as good. I think he's can be that good in the NFL. He had 102 yards rushing, and I don't even think Travis Etienne played in the second half. If, if I'm not mistaken, at halftime he was taken out and had the touchdown. 47 yards receiving, but Brandon, you know, I want to talk. I, I don't know how much of this game you watched because it was kind of a blowout. There was a lot of other stuff going on in college football at this time, but Miles Murphy for an 18 year old, holy hell, where did you find this kid? I mean, yeah. in his first game, seven total tackles, two sacks, and three tackles for loss. No, I mean, Come it's good. On. And Brian Barisi throwing a grown senior guard with one hand to the ground is outrageous. Right. No, I mean, we knew this kid was going to be good. Miles Murphy, I mean, we knew he was going to be good as well. But, I mean, I think he I think he outshined a lot of his defense this weekend. I, I, okay, this is going to sound crazy. When he was on the field, he looked like the best player on the field. Yeah, I, that, I mean, it does sound crazy, but you're probably right. 
And that defense is really good. And I, I think Mike Jones Jr. played really well in replace of Isaiah Simmons. I think the entire – I mean, it's really hard with this Clemson team because, Brandon, I don't know how you feel about it. It's just a weird thing with me watching these games. It, it, it doesn't ever pop off the – like screen for me it's just like you're watching you're watching you're like okay are they playing really really well and then you look up and it's 24 to nothing it's like how in the hell are they up 24 nothing it's like it it just they do it just so methodically and just you just expect it from them that i just feel like they don't ever get their full respect in terms of how good this team is and so go ahead so you heard it here first clemson not a fun not a fun team to watch Zach said it. Uh, I mean, we were we were all thinking it, but you know, Zach went out and said it. So there we go. I'm put I'm putting my career on the line here, but guys, yeah. and well, Clemson, hold on, hold on, no, no, don't, don't don't move on, don't move on yet. I have one final thing I need that all I right. need to, I need the people to hear. Zach, I want you to look at Clemson's passing right now, and I want you to try to pronounce all of the names of the passers on Clemson's team because people are going to love this. Oh no, I can't. I mean, even even the announcers calling the game. When uh when DJ went in the true freshman they were like he was like he was like I might lose my job if I try to pronounce his name that name's not even that hard go for the third passer Zach uh, yeah I can't I, go ahead it's it Tayson uh, Famachan Famachan that's that's my final yeah I have no idea. The, yeah he's from Connecticut I'm just gonna say that I mean. Which is, I, I don't I, know. You said you said that like that means something. He's from Connecticut, so he has a name. That, come on, <laughs> like I just I don't even remember this kid being from like because I thought both all their quarterbacks were from uh, California, so I did not know this kid was from Connecticut. I really did it. Um, so by all no, of their quarterbacks, you mean you mean one? You mean well, DJ no, Uligale? No, I thought the one the year before came like was committed out of uh, California, but I believe he also transferred because I also would be upset um, if they got the number one quarterback every single year. <laughs> right. AKA Chase Bryce now playing at Duke upset because now he's not going to play. Um, but Brandon, a riveting game next week, Clemson faces a Citadel. Um, I'm sure they're going to really, really test. Uh, okay. Oh, how long do you think Trevor Lawrence plays against the Citadel? First half. Maybe if, if, if they're lucky and then Wake Forest has to NC state next weekend, which looks to be a much more evenly matched game there. Um, We're going to get one more game here. I'm probably not going to spend too much time on this one, but I almost look like a genius here, guys. Almost for three and a half quarters. I look like a genius Uh, Tulane at South Alabama. Tulane squeaks out a 27 24 win in a game where South Alabama dominated and then Tulane realized that they were playing South Alabama and they turned it up late. Uh, Brandon thoughts on this um, probably game that no one listening watched. Well, my first thought is uh, that I want to thank you for, for your pronunciation of Tulane because you, you're actually, you're saying it right now. So thank you. Uh, I know we had to burn you up about that. So anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I know you said that you almost sounded like a genius. Well, I did sound like a genius because Tulane won, um, and they won by about as much as I predicted. I predicted it would be a four-point game. They won by three. So, I mean, what, what do you want me to say? Uh, mm. Other than I hope that South Alabama never wins a game in the new stadium. Uh, I think it's cursed. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But, I mean, studs at wide receiver, just real quick, Kawan Baker, Jalen Tolbert, they've been unstoppable for two weeks. I mean – Baker and Tolbert both under over 100 yards. Baker had a touchdown, and 
Keon Howard for Tulane, not the answer. It's they're having a tough time, um, you know, with a new quarterback here. But it, it was almost a perfect night for the Sun Belt, Brandon. But South Alabama let this one slip away. Tulane heads to face Navy next weekend. South Alabama, like I said earlier, heads to face UAB in two weeks. And now we're getting into some storylines that we felt like we had to cover here. We're going to start with the Sun Belt. And if there was a conference that was the best this weekend, it's no doubt the Sun Belt Conference. I mean, absolutely dominated their biggest games of the weekend, mostly against the Big 12. And, Brandon, let's break this down, starting with the first upset of the day, the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns over the number three, the number 23 Iowa State Cyclones. How in the world do the Raging Cajuns pull this one off? Oh, dude. And now, get this. They're ranked 21st in the country now in the AP poll. So that's that's fun. That's outrageous, uh, by the way. <laughs> I don't know how that's even possible. Like they beat the uh, they beat the number twenty three team in the country and they moved to twenty one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, no, man, but uh, look, Brandon, Brandon, yesterday, take a peek into my life. You want to come on down to Baton Rouge, and we're gonna we're gonna look inside of Brandon's apartment for a second. Um, Brandon went to Trader Joe's and tried all the hard seltzers that they had there. And uh, Brandon turned into the biggest Raging Cajuns fan this, this world has ever seen. Followed every single social media account, started retweeting them. I'm in this. I'm in an LSU group chat, and I just I I changed the topic completely to uh, Louisiana Lafayette during this game. So I mean, I, I I was really feeling myself, and I'm I I could not be happier that they won that game. That's that's just insane. I mean, uh. I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, listen, I, I'll start with this. I don't think there's a quarterback outside of um, James Blackman that came up as small as Brock Purdy did this weekend. Or, like, yeah, that's true. Oh, 145 total yards, passing, uh, interception, 26.6 QBR. And, Brandon, he averaged 4.1 yards to completion. This, right. th- this is a guy who some were saying was a top three quarterback in this conference. And you're telling me you can't find a way to lead your team over Louisiana Lafayette? What <laughs> what, what in the world you know is going to happen? Though? What's up? Lafayette Lafayette didn't look that bad yesterday. That's the thing. No, they, like, they didn't. They did not. And Iowa State wasn't terrible. I, I agree that Brock Purdy could have played better. But, I mean, as a whole, they weren't – they didn't play awful. That's no, the I mean, they had – they had more total yards, more first downs, and led in time of possession. But the two turnovers and the kickoff return and punt return are just backbreakers. Right. No, you're right. And, you know, so Brandon, um, you know, everyone looks at the score of 31 to 14. Like, man, they got dominated. But they had a kick return, a punt return. And then in the third quarter, they had a 78-yard one-play drive for a touchdown. So they had three one-play touchdowns for and outscored Iowa State 21 to nothing in the second half. I mean, it, it, it started to look like domination there, like right at the end of the third quarter for uh, Louisiana Lafayette. And, and I, don't, I don't really know what to say. I mean, it, it seemed like everything just started going their way in the second half. It, I mean, the only bright spot I saw for Iowa State is Barisi Hall, which I mentioned as a sleeper player in this conference in the preseason. I mean, over 100 yards rushing a touchdown, but 
I don't think there's a single other player for Iowa State that said they could play their best game. And if Brock Purdy doesn't play better, this Iowa State team is going to get ravaged in the Big 12 this year. Dude, he got outplayed by Levi Lewis. I mean, that's UL's quarterback. And that, I mean, he, he's, not, okay. he's not known for his arm. No, he's not. He's known for his athleticism though because don't sleep on Levi Lewis I mean the kid I mean wasn't wasn't Louisiana Lafayette like 10 and 2 last year going into their bowl game yeah and they won their bowl game so they ended up 11 and 2 yeah so I mean the team this is a really good team but if I'm Iowa State I'm 23rd in the country I mean Brandon there were people who had Iowa State as the first uh, as the second or third maybe even fourth ranked team in the big 12 I try to tell them I really did. I, I mean, we had our rankings last week. I tried to tell them. Yeah, luckily we both had them outside the top five, I believe, right? Yeah, if I'm not I had mistaken. Them at six. Okay, I, I wait. I think I had them at five. Now I'm now now I'm oh, quitting. Okay, now you now you look, you look stupid. Yeah, yeah. I, I had them at five. You know what? I'm quitting. But um, you know, for for losing a Lafayette, man, I think this was their first ever win over a ranked team. If I'm not mistaken. It was their second. It was the first second, on the road. Okay. They, beat, yeah. they beat Texas A&M in 1996. That was uh, Louisiana Lafayette fan Brandon coming out right there. There you go. I hear, So you knew the last time they won in a year that you were born. I hear you. Big yeah, things happened in 2020. But listen, guys, not, not taking anything away from Louisiana Lafayette. They played an outstanding game. They made the plays to win the game. But for a team that was the projected top five Big 12 team, this is a huge disappointment. And Brandon – We've we, we've talked on this podcast. We've talked with people we had on the show, like John Morris from Baylor. The perception of the Big Twelve has always suffered, and this game only goes to absolutely wreck that perception that they've built up recently. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, and uh, the Big Twelve uh, might as well just not have even played this weekend. Oh, it's bad. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad, guys. And let's move on to one that was personal that happened in the same city I was in watching this game. I didn't go because, you know, COVID and tickets are ridiculous, but K-State, Arkansas State, Arkansas State pulls off the 35-31 to upset. And, Brandon, I told you, I told you, I told you not to put this team third for two reasons, youth on the offensive line, youth on the defense. And that's why they lost this game. But you know what's crazy is that Skylar Thompson actually had a good game, which is oh, well, which is nuts. Skylar Thompson's a stud. I'll back right. you on that. He's he's a monster, but he has no help. No, no help. No, no help whatsoever. Um, Especially when Josh Youngblood also didn't play. You know how mad I was because I was sitting there. I mean, like I said, I was in my full form. I, I was full out uh, raging Cajun Brandon uh, yesterday. And then I, I started looking – I started flipping through the channels, watching other games. I saw that K-State lost that game, and I like I just – I crashed. You know, I, I was having a party, and then I crashed because K-State had to go and lose a football game <laughs> to Arkansas State. And it's not even like the other game where Iowa State did like, – like led a lot of statistical categories – Arkansas State outplayed Kansas State the entire game. They had more first downs, over 100 more total yards, Brandon, less penalties, a way better third-down conversion rate. I mean, this K-State youth on the defense and offensive line absolutely was a glaring hole. Brandon, this offensive line paved the way against Arkansas State for 2.3 yards per rush, 
gave up two sacks and eight tackles for loss. And the defense allowed 489 total yards to Arkansas State. Yeah, I mean, how how do you win? How do you win a football game when you give up that many that that many yards? They were lucky that it was close. That might as well be a million yards, really. I mean, four hundred ninety-eight. You gotta be kidding me, (laughs) Brandon. Against Arkansas State, their third down conversions were one for eleven against Arkansas State. Ah man, you got. I mean, it's crazy that they were as in this game as they were. Like K State. On paper, this is why I'm not an analytics guy, by the way, because on paper looks like they should have been blown out of the water. But oh, yeah, a, a thousand percent. And it's because of Scholar Thompson. He 259 yards passing, two touchdowns, kept plays alive with his legs. I mean, listen, I know there was no Josh Youngblood, and I think there were three or four other two deep players that just didn't play, and no one knows why for K-State. Probably COVID-related, I don't know. But that's no excuse to play like this. I mean, this is a huge, huge blemish for uh, Chris Kleiman's res- resume right now um, for a- a K-State. And listen, I tweeted this out, and I still believe it. K-State DBs got no sleep last night because they were having nightmares about Jonathan Adams. This kid ravaged the back end of that defense. It wasn't even close, man. They they had no answer for him. I mean, eight catches for 98 yards and three touchdowns. And every single touchdown, he bombed on somebody. He, right. he big-boyed them. Randy Moss is somewhere smiling on this kid because he <laughs> was mossing everybody. And they even had a touchdown that got called back that was going to be the catch of the year that I think still should have been a touchdown. Yeah. I, You know, it's just mind-blowing to me. And listen, guys, this defense has to grow up real quick because, Brandon, in two weeks, they travel to Norman, Oklahoma to take on the Oklahoma Sooners. That is a quick, quick turnaround. No, I mean, absolutely. And it's it's not even going to be anywhere close to last year if they come out playing the way they did this weekend. No, but they do get a bye week this week, Brandon. So they do get a bye week before Oklahoma. But I don't think it's going to help them. I mean, we're going to get into Spencer Rattler in a little bit. If Spencer Rattler plays one-fifth of what he played this week, this K-State defense is about to get roasted. Because if you can't stop Arkansas State, I mean, Oklahoma is about to put up some points on you. But, Brandon, we're going to get to your favorite team. Um and, and your favorite coach, the good old Mad Hatter Les Miles and his Kansas Jayhawks took on the Coastal Carolina. Um, I don't even know their mascot. That's how bad I was prepared the, for this. But the, the Chanticleers. Oh, okay, gotcha. Well, let's just say the Coastal Carolina team um, absolutely blew out Kansas. I mean, they they ended up being thirty-eight to twenty-three. Guys, it was twenty-eight to nothing until Kansas hit a field goal going into halftime. I don't know what to say. I mean, I, 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 I told you I didn't have Kansas winning a game. I had them going zero and eleven. Yeah, we, we, we I had did that. In the, yeah. So I mean, and, and we and we told y'all last podcast we didn't preview this game specifically, but we joked about how Kansas should not have been a favorite this game. And guess what? We were proven correct again because there was no way Kansas was going to beat Coastal Carolina as crazy as that sounds. Yeah, if there's any, uh, I don't know, like chief of staffs at like a, maybe a casino or a sports book, Zach and I could draw your lines. I mean, I, look at our records. Look at what we said about Kansas. I mean, we've got the history to prove it. It's all on the record. Uh, 
we're just trying to we're trying to get a promotion here. This is this is what's going on. But get yeah, your boy out of grad school. Yeah, let's do get it. Get your get your boy out of grad school. But listen, I mean, the Big Twelve took over the Pac twelve after dark slot this week on Fox, and chaos ensued. And listen, I mean, when I say Coastal Carolina was the better team in every aspect of the game, I'm not even kidding. They were the better team by leaps and bounds. And Brandon, three different quarterbacks played for Kansas. The highest QBR was Thomas McVitie with a 34. That's nuts. <laughs> that, that should be illegal. Kendrick and Daniels, the other two quarterbacks, put up a 28 and a 15, respectively. Yeah, not, not how? That doesn't even make sense. That this is it's just brutal, man. I mean, Puka Williams got hurt, breaks my heart. He got I don't know how bad it is, but he got banged up and was limited. But he still had sixty seven yards on twelve carries, and um, you know, Velton Gardner showed up. He did some good things. He took the spot of Williams and eleven carries, eighty one total yards. But the star of the game was Grayson McCall for Coastal Carolina. He had three passing touchdowns, had two rushing touchdowns, and had over 200 total yards by himself. And it can't, this Kansas defense had no answer for him. It had no answer for anything. And I don't think there's a worse Division One program than Kansas right now. Kansas is just praying that we get, we get basketball back like on, at the normal schedule. Because they, they need something to be redeeming for them. I, and basketball's not even redeeming. You got people trying to hit other players with chairs. I mean, that's that's not very that's redeeming, fair. Brandon. People, pe- people forget about that. Yeah. A- and, you know, uh, who's the biggest team in the scandal other than Arizona and LSU? Your, your boy Kansas. You, you didn't right even have to bring up LSU. You wouldn't even have to do that right now, but that, that hurt. <laughs> but, guys, Coastal Carolina dominates Kansas and – Okay, so Brandon, if how much money would you put on Kansas not even coming within one score in any other game this year? Well, not a gambling guy, but probably thirteen thousand dollars. That's real specific. Uh, that yeah. what do you have thirteen thousand dollars for? That was way too specific. Like, is that exactly how much is in your savings? Definitely not a well. Well, that was okay. Let's not let's not let's not dox Brandon today. That was. Wow! Listen, man, I need your okay. social security number, your bank account number, and we're gonna just turn the podcast off. We don't even have to distribute yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but guys, um, I think Les Miles is regretting taking this job. I think he was much better suited as an announcer, hanging out with Rick Ross, than whatever this is. And I think Brandon, as much as this breaks my heart, I think this probably is Les Miles' last year here. I don't know. It probably, if he goes 0-11. It's, so, it's so tough to be anywhere near good if you're the coach at Kansas. Think about how bad they were for so long. Until like last year and they won, what, two games or three games last season? And people were like, oh my gosh, they're back. They're, oh, it's yeah. We actually have a football team. No, Could you, you just, imagine if they would have beaten Texas oh my on God. the road? I, I would have cried. I mean, tears of joy. Oh, man. But speaking of Texas, I will go ahead and move on to our last segment here. Uh, I know one of the biggest storylines of the weekend was the debut of Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma, which could be called on pay-per-view, but I'm sure many of you guys did not drop the $60 to tune in for that. But Rattler delivered 
a dominant performance in the in his first appearance for the Sooners. He put up 290 yards passing, four touchdowns in the first half. On the other hand, though, Sam Ellinger, coming into his senior year, came in with something to prove. Ellinger delivered 426 passing yards and five touchdowns in the first half. Brandon, experts and fans here are raving about these two quarterbacks, some even saying that they're the two leading candidates for the Heisman, especially Ellinger. What is your take here? Do you have hashtag Ellinger for Hosman? No, here's my take. My take is that is that Sam Ellinger played against UTEP, which is one of the worst teams in Division One football. I understand they didn't play an FCS team this week, but they did play UTEP. And I'll reiterate, one of the worst teams in college football, uh, in Division One college football. So, I mean, yes, I obviously I'm impressed. He had over 400 yards passing in a half. How could you not be impressed by that? That's pretty good. Five touchdowns, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> Including a 78-yard pass on the first play of the game. But, I mean, what I'm saying is that I want to see them play an actual team. I want to see them play in the Big 12 before I crown him, you know? I, I, did he have a perfect passer rating? I believe that 157, uh, uh, eight, for whatever eight, reason. It was an 87.5. Oh, I'm sorry. Not 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 Pat. I'm talking about uh, QBR. I think he had a perfect yeah, Q- QBR. No, QBR was 87.5 according to ESPN. Oh, really? What is this? This must be perfect passer rating then. Um, it's 156.9. Whatever. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's that's that. I think that's the perfect passer rating. But QBR for some reason that's only a B plus. Sorry, you threw for 426 and five touchdowns. That's a B plus. You might have to take the class yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, you are you are grounded if your parents are expecting all A's, sir. But I don't know. See, I don't understand how that's calculated. Anyway, for and for whatever reason, QBR is even worse because that's on a scale of one to one fifty six point nine. So I don't know. Sam Ellinger obviously looked really good. I don't want to take too much time to talk about Texas because once again, they they played UTEP. Um, Oklahoma. I'll, I'll give a little bit more praise to uh, Spencer Radler. And I understand they didn't play anybody either, um, but this is his first college football game. You know, I mean, he completed what is I mean, fourteen for seventeen. What what percentage is that? I mean, it's it's uh, I don't even know. I should I should know that. I'm going to count it. <laughs> I'm about to, um, about to say you're going to count it, but it's um it's eighty two percent. So eighty two percent completion. I mean, that's incredible. Um, even his backup had that as well. He also had an 82% completion percentage. Uh, four touchdowns, incredible as well. 290 yards, uh, and he, what, he also played one half? Yeah, I believe Is so. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I mean, the kid's good. And and he's probably just as good as we're thinking is. I Once again, I want to see them actually play somebody. I want to see, see them play in the Big 12 before I crown either one of these kids, you know? I don't know. I'm I'm not nearly as high on either one of them as as the rest of the country seems to be. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Listen, it's impressive, and I don't agree with Brandon. I think Ellinger is more impressive than Rattler because UTEP's gonna beat Missouri State. Um, uh, I, but Missouri State's a D two team, I believe. Um, so, I think so let's let's ease up. And I mean, to be fair, UTEP was one and zero coming into this game, Brandon. They beat, yeah, but who uh, did they play last week? <laughs> they, they, uh, I, I believe it was Stephen F. Austin. 
Ooh, last Stephen week. F. Austin. Yeah, great hey, game. Powerhouse, powerhouse. But listen, yeah. I mean, Ellinger, amazing. I mean, I, I can't echo anything more Brandon said. I mean, he had, I think, every single one of his wide receivers, um, Moore, Black, Schooler, Whittington, Washington, Brewer, Eagles, all averaged over over 13 yards per catch. And they all had right. a touchdown, including yeah. a running back in Mooney who also had a receiving touchdown. I mean, the dude just spread it around. And the reason I'm not putting Hosman next to this is Casey Thompson, who a lot of people who is the backup also threw for 55 yards and two touchdowns in his brief appearance. He had four completions, two for touchdowns. So let's ease up on the Hosman hype here, guys. I mean, are you kidding me? We're talking about UTEP, and we're saying, oh, man, he dominated UTEP. You know, until I see him do this against Baylor or Oklahoma or someone that matters, I I don't want to hear it. I I, I don't even want you to even mention Hosman the Sam Ellinger's name until he does it against a Power 5 team. It's... Yeah, I have yet to see it. And Fradler, also impressive. I mean, it it was fine. But for me, it's Missouri State. I, I don't know what to tell you. I think that's even worse than playing UTEP. And, you know, like you average 17 yards a pass. That's, what, that's great. But, I mean, it, is there a single defensive player on Missouri State that's going to the league? I don't know. I mean, you never know. I, I, the Saints like sign kids that are from like D three schools all the time. Bill Belichick is, like scouts out like specifically Missouri State for his wide receivers. So who knows? <laughs> That's fair, but okay. So, but my bad. Is there a is there a defensive player on Missouri State that would start on any defense that Oklahoma is going to face the rest of the year? Oh no, no chance. Not not even a chance. And you know, I I just want to hold back on this kid. I I get it. It's Lincoln Riley's offense. It's Oklahoma. They've had, what, th- three straight Hosman top two finishes, including Baker Mayfield and Collar winning the Hosman and Jalen Hurts coming in, I believe, second. But until I see this kid do it against a talented defense, I just want to hold off. I mean, and I don't think, I, you know, he gets in it's at home. It's Missouri State. I mean, it is what it is. But for me, until I see a true freshman kid do it against somebody that matters. I just want to hold off on that too. I mean, I've seen people say that Radler is going to win the Hosman. He's going to be in New York. He's he, and I've even seen people say he's the best quarterback in the Big Twelve. And it's like, mm. holy crap! Like we're we're giving this kid all these accolades because of what he did against Missouri State. Like that's that's really really what we're going to do here. Right. It, I think I think we're jumping too quick. I think we're jumping the gun way too quick on both these guys. Sam Ellinger, I think, is overrated anyway. And I think we're, we're going to see him come back down to earth. I don't think he's – I think Baylor's going to beat them. I think – and, you know, honestly, I don't have confidence to get hit, uh, with him against K-State. I don't have confidence with him against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma. I don't have confidence against – with Ellinger, with anybody with a pulse – and until I see it against in a big game, I don't want to hear it. And Radler, I just need to see more. It's it's his first start. That's great. He looks like he's going to be really good. But can we hold off on before putting him in Trevor Lawrence's tier? I, I mean, yeah, that's what we're talking about here. People are saying that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Let's let's ease off of that. Uh, he's not on that level yet. And 
I understand the kid's really hyped. He's really good. And I think he could be the better quarterback out of all the ones that they've had. I think, is he going to be better than Jalen Hurts? Yeah, probably. But let's ease off on the Hosman hype real quick because they played Missouri State. And that's absolutely ridiculous. But, guys, we're going to end this here. Um, we're going to, uh, me and Brandy got some scheduling to do. We're going to let you guys know we have SEC <laughs> preview coming sometime soon. We get, we, we're going to dedicate an entire episode of that for y'all. Cause we know y'all want all the info on that. And I know we have some really, really, I guess, hot take. Uh, it's going to be a hot take filled episode. We have some opinions on that conference because we both root for SEC teams and we're from the South. So we'll stay tuned for that. We'll have, we'll give y'all an entire episode on the SEC. We got another episode coming Thursday previewing this next weekend of college football. We got some big games coming and you know, you know where to find us on social media guys, Instagram at the underscore blue bloods, Twitter at the underscore underscore blue bloods, Facebook at the blue bloods pod. Find us on YouTube, the blue bloods CFB podcast. If you don't want to do all that, just go to our website, the blue links offer every streaming platform can be found there. YouTube videos can be found there. Articles. We're going to be getting all that this season. We're going to be dropping way more content this football season for you guys. So stay tuned for that. We appreciate you tuning in with the blue bloods to get all your college football content here. Tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell your fantasy league, whatever you want to do. The blue bloods are here for all things, college football. Y'all keep subscribing, keep writing the podcast. We love everyone who listens, but for right now, we out.